Welcome to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast. The show by and for female millennial entrepreneurs who are building and running thriving, successful businesses while living life to the fullest. I'm your host, Alessandra Polina, owner of Quotable Media Co., a PR and media company. After nearly 10 years of building a PR agency, I've learned a lot about business and entrepreneurship, but the most valuable things have always come through conversation with other women who have been in it too, and I want to share all of that with you. So sit back, fill your coffee cup up, and listen in. Do you consider yourself 50% creative and 50% business? If you want to expand your entrepreneurial portfolio with a rewarding new opportunity, listen up. This episode is brought to you by Platform by Raw Artists, which is a licensing program for creative entrepreneurs with a knack for event production and a love for the arts. After 14 years in business, Raw Artists, who's produced arts events all over the globe, is giving select entrepreneurs their tools, technology, and trademark to plan, produce, and promote their own for-profit art showcases. Think franchising, but with way more control. If you've been looking for your next opportunity to earn a great living doing something you're passionate about, this is your sign. Learn more and apply for an exclusive license in your city at www.rawartists.com slash platform. I'm so excited to be talking with Taylor Price today. You may have heard of her before. She is the founder of Priceless Tay and also the founder and chief um, experience officer of Definitive, which I cannot wait to hear more about. So Taylor, first of all, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. Super excited to speak to you and get to chat with our listeners. Yes, me too. Um, Well, as I said, I know some people probably already know you. You have a lot of followers and stuff. I know you're like a person that people might have already heard of, but I feel like what people often miss is, you know, that whole backstory. Like, so I guess first give us like the super quick overview of of who you are and what you do. Um, But then I can't wait to jump into like how you've actually made this happen and what that journey has been like. Yes. So my name is Taylor Price, also known as at Priceless Tay on social media. Yes, my actual last real name is Price. So I tell people that I was kind of born for what I'm doing. (laughs) I teach Gen Z financial literacy online. So think TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, really all forms of social media. And I'm here to make a, a further impact on this next generation, especially communities that have been underserved previously when it comes to financial planning and wealth management. So I I try to talk online, make my educational content free and really discuss all the things that school doesn't, especially when it comes to that transition of financial dependence to financial independence. Mm. Yeah, I was, I noticed that too. Your last name was absolutely perfect for this. It seemed like Yes. <laughs> Too much of a coincidence that your last name is Price and you talk about finances. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me, well, first of all, can I ask you? I mean, you say, you know, you you speak mostly to Gen Z. You are a member of the Gen Z generation, right? Like how old are you? Can I ask that? That's correct. At the current time we're recording this, I'm 22. Okay, amazing. I love a young, empowered, powerful woman in business, especially. I started my business, I was 23. So a little older than you, you've gotten a head start on me, but I remember very much what it was like to just 
to be doing it that young. Like it's, it's a different kind of experience. So Mm -hmm. I think it's so cool that you've decided to get this started, but tell me, how did you like, where did this come from? How did you start? First of all, even just like running a business, like even just working for yourself at such a young age is already like impressive, but also like how do you know enough about money and finances (laughs) to be teaching other people this young? Because I feel like most of us are still figuring that stuff out at 22, which is obviously you have such a big audience for it. Right. Yeah. I have, I have an interesting backstory, both literally and figuratively. So I grew up in a small business. My parents are small business owners, Mm. um, contributing to our U S economy as a whole that run by mom and pops. And so I, I heard my mom growing up all the time, talking about the budget, we need to be in budget talking to my dad about, you know, what do you what he's buying as far as inventory goes, it's a small industrial uniform rental company. So what that means is, we do aprons, um, rugs, we wash them, we bring them to maybe a restaurant or a car dealership. And then every single week, we pick up the dirties, provide them cleans, and it's, it's a service based industry. Interesting. And so from a very young age, I, I heard conversations about money going on and always keeping a line with a budget as well as organization is the key to success. Shout mm-hmm. out mom for, for saying that. Um, and so that kind of drove a lot of the conversations in my family for a very long time, especially when the financial crisis hit in 2010. And so also during that time, this is where my literal backstory comes in. I was diagnosed with scoliosis in our school library. I was in fourth grade. Mm. And during that time, um, my, my scoliosis was pretty bad. And so they recommended us to go to Albany to go see a specialist. But again, being a part of a, a small business, my parents struggling through this time, really getting to that doctor's appointment wasn't the, the top of mind thing for my family. It was just, just mm. keeping afloat, trying to maintain our, our customer base and figuring out, you know, when you, the service industry, if it's going to continue, um, doing well and flourishing. And so that, that led me that whole experience into eventually getting, um, a life-changing major surgery at 14. I had a spinal fusion. And what that basically means is that I have two rods in my back. They're fused. I got screws. I'm kind of like the next version of Iron Man, but I (laughs) more like Iron Woman. (laughs) Um, They're titanium though. So that led me to want to become a neurosurgeon. I was, yeah, because of my surgery itself, I thought I could be extremely empathetic to the people who have gone through this. I had already had like an intrinsic motivation to help people at that point. And so throughout my high school years, I did internships across the United States, staying places in the summer, studying under neurologists. And when I finally got to um, college, I studied pre-med and come to find out that my own medical conditions and history really wasn't going to align with my career path. 14 years of medical school to become a neurosurgeon when I didn't even know if I would have to get my own neurosurgery again for my scoliosis. And so that was a big wake up call for me 
Um, especially when one of my dad's customers had informed me, Hey, like if something ever happens to your hands, those are million dollar hands in that industry. If you break a finger or if you, you happen to come to a a crazy car accident, whatever it might be, that career is gone. Mm -hmm. Um, there's so much empowerment and being a business owner. Um, and so that's when I was like, okay, this, this has kind of gotten clicked. So I started working for my parents at that time running the books, uh, you learning how to use QuickBooks, learning how to manage a team. And I switched majors from the pre-med biology into finance and management. Mm. And when I made that transition, I immediately went into how to do discounted cash flows, financial modeling, looking at an income statement, looking at a statement of cash flows, looking at a balance sheet, basically all these statements that large companies use to see if they're profitable or not. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hang on a second. Like I, you know, I'm like 17 turning 18. Like that's a pretty big age. I hear like, well, I have to start paying my own taxes. Like what's going on here? Like, I, I think I can get a credit card at this age. I think I, I think I can start investing at this age too, not under my parents. And so I started to do research like, hey, did I miss a few gen eds? Like when I when I switched majors, I didn't. Mm-hmm. I come to realize after doing the research that. back then. Yeah, I, I've come to, to realize at that time that six out of 50 states <clears throat> in the United States required a personal financial course for testing. And the mm-hmm. small town that I grew up in, upstate New York, it's called Saugerties, did not require financial education. And so hmm. I was like, what the hell? Like, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on this podcast. <laughs> <It's fine. laughs> yeah. Um, I was like, what the hell? Like I'm, I'm a finance major and I feel like how could a large company trust me with their financials when I don't even know my own financials personally? That's mm-hmm. a big deal. Yeah. That's a great and So, yeah. And so doing more research on this, I, I then started a blog to discuss, Hey, like, Finance is an extremely important subject that should be a requirement in schools across all states, not just these six. Here's why. So I I got into some some different demographics on why that's extremely important, especially for women at the time, um, because we we live longer. We go through different stages of in in our career, especially when it comes to family planning and things of that nature. And so that eventually led me to start sharing my own story of, hey, I'm 18 now. This is why I'm opening up a credit card so I can get my first apartment when they check my credit score. It will be amazing. You know, if you're getting your first car or potentially maybe even your first employer, sometimes they'll check your credit history too. When it comes to a lot of people my age, uh, there's a pressure to taking care of their loved ones when they're older. So when you get a job, you're not only paying for your bills, you you might have to start thinking about paying for your parents or your grandparents' bills as well too. So that adds a lot of stress. Well, what can we think about? Okay, when you're 18, you can start putting $20 a week or $50 a week into a Roth IRA. By the time you become 65, you will literally be a millionaire. So talking about this, on this blog really started to grab a lot of my young younger friends attention along with parents family friends and people in the community. Mm-hmm. That led me to then go on 
YouTube and Instagram, because I recognize that although blogs are fun, videos are a lot more fun in the Gen Z crowd. They that's, Mm -hmm. that's where they love. And for that message to spread like wildfire, I knew that I needed to move to where the demographic was, which is social media, YouTube and Instagram at that time. Mm -hmm. That led me then to start publishing content there happened to make some friends out in LA. And in May of 2019, TikTok really started to come off. But mm-hmm. as I'm from like a small town in upstate New York, dancing was not something that I was comfortable doing on such a platform, especially talking about finances, being a, a young woman at that time. That's kind of like unheard of, by the way, um, mm-hmm. in, in early 2019. Mm-hmm. And so eventually I'm like, you know, maybe I'll go out to LA and try this thing. So in December, and I'm I'm going to college also through this period, which is a whole other thing of trying to manage college while, you know, just starting your blog, which could potentially be a business and turning that side hustle into a business when it starts to monetize and things like that. And so December was out in LA. I'm like, okay, here, might as well start doing the dance moves and talk about <laughs> finance and point to different areas on the screen, talking about what a credit score is made out of and different things like that. And boom, the message grew like wildfire. I pioneered the financial literacy space for Gen Zers on TikTok, especially young women. And at that time too, simultaneously started going viral on Twitter as a as a meme for a lot of these older bros, finance bros saying like, what is this girl doing on TikTok? Like pointing at the screen and talking about investing and talking about Roth IRAs and budgeting. Like she's not, you know, this is, this is weird. So at that time I was faced with a challenge, like, do I continue on with this criticism or do I follow my passion and, and forget the haters to make a long lasting impact? And my mom had a really big impact on me at that time as, again, she she operates a lot of the finances for our small uh, business. And so she said, you know, Taylor, like she at that time when she was studying finance in like the 1980s, like she was one of the only females in the class. And so she was very familiarized with this whole uh, notion of this is a male dominated industry. Mm-hmm. So her kind of being the leader and pioneering that space for me Um, I was allowed to really be empowered by that and then kind of take the torch per se and move that on to this next generation. And so being a pursuant, I continued posting, I continued spreading the message. COVID happened. Everybody then was like, oh my gosh, what do I do with my finances? That, Mm -hmm. that led into really where, where the business started occurring. I know a lot of people struggled in in COVID. And with the work that I have been doing, it actually helped serve my business actually helped serve some of those communities who didn't understand of when's my stimulus check coming, what's going on with my student loans. And I was able to work with some amazing brands um, as far as being able to talk like currently I'm in a partnership with Chime where during that time they they stopped all overdraft fees which was an amazing thing for communities that had been furloughed or or didn't have a paycheck coming in and so being able to to get people empowered in in that sense and just driving them home felt absolutely amazing so kind of fast forward to where we are today 
I, I recognize that financial literacy is step one in this movement. It's the ignition, but you decide to do what you want then on after. And so recognizing that I was like, you know, maybe I should like create an app or something because hearing thing, hearing something is one thing, but actually doing something with that knowledge is another thing. Mm. And that's where you can have the pivotal life-changing moves because you can be smart, but those, those who have the grit and the, the hard work to, I always say like ambition is so much more important than intelligence because the ambition person, the ambitious person is going to go after and drive and, and, and take home the bread, whatever, whatever they wish. Whereas an intelligent person might just be thinking about some of these thoughts, but you know, doing it might be a whole other story. And so with, with that in mind, I was able to survey a lot of my audience and get tens and tens of thousands of people to say, here's the problems that I'm facing in finance. Like I, I have two bank, two bank accounts, three credit cards, I invest here and there. I don't know where to begin. I'm lost. I don't know how to grow my wealth as well as like some educational questions as literally as like, where's the routing number on this check? <laughs> where's the account? We're like, where's the account number on, on this check? And so that eventually led to me coming to realize that there was this huge gap in this fintech space or financial technology space, which is a lot of like apps that you see today on your phone um, when it comes to finance. And so I was like, Hey, there's a, there's a big problem here. People don't know where to begin. They're leaving a lot of money on the table when it comes to knowing which credit card to use when they're checking Mm -hmm. out, there's these deals, discounts, and uh, rewards that are associated with these credit cards. And especially in these economic times, like you want to get the most bang for your buck. Why not? You're working hard for the the same amount of money. Why not be savvy with it? Mm -hmm. And so that led me to try and pursue my own path. I'm not a technical person. I outsourced trying to build this app on my own. Turned out I, you need a team like doing it on your own. There's, there's not ever any successful company to me, at least that like self self-made. I don't, I don't really consider self-made a thing. It always, it always is alongside a strong team, at least in my opinion. And so speaking with my mentor on this topic, I said, Hey, like we, we got some really valuable data here and people, people want this. They have this problem. We need to serve them. We need to make a, a bigger impact than just financial education and financial literacy. Like we need to create an app that helps them figure out, you know, there's this money being left on the table. What can you do about it? Mm-hmm. And so eventually fast forward to only several months ago, um, we co-founded a company called definitive where we're helping young people maximize their deals, discounts, and offers so that you can actually get the money you deserve, get your money's worth. You're not leaving money on the table. You maximize all the dollars that you have. And kind of here we are today, just coming out more publicly about what we're working on. I know a very long-winded story, but I, I think each portion has has a very significant factor on how it all kind of plays out. Yeah. Oh my God. No, that's 
Amazing. I love uh I love a 22-year-old who already has such a long business story. <laughs> mm-hmm. You've already done a lot, which is really cool. And I love how you can kind of see that thread of like kind of following the way through. Like, here's kind of what I'm figuring out now, and here's what people need, and here's what I can provide, and here's what they need now, like two years later, and how I can provide it in another way or or provide something that will help them with what they need now. And like you've just created it. Like, why not? I love it. I absolutely love it. So, but I, oh my gosh, I do have like, I have so many questions still. Like (laughs) that is, (laughs) that is so much. I'm just, so are you, did, are you still in college or did you just finish college? Like if you're only great question. (laughs) Yes. So I I know that's my first question. Can you believe it? But I'm just like, wait a minute. Like, where are we in this timeline? I do get that question often because I'm 22 and you can imagine I should have just graduated, but I actually stacked classes. So um, I finished my bachelor's degree in two and a half years instead of four. And during COVID, yes, during COVID, I was contemplating my business had just started to get, um, you know, just started to monetize. It was doing pretty well. And I was contemplating dropping out of college because what I was learning in college was was great, but I wasn't going to go on to Wall Street or I wasn't going to go into investment banking where that Series 6, Series 7 license wasn't really required. And so again, speaking to my mom on the subject, she's like, no, you got to stay in school. This is the, you, this is your credibility. This is like that mm-hmm. paperwork that when some older folks of this, this, you know, the previous generation say, how are you teaching this? Okay, the first thing that you say, I have a bachelor's degree in finance. Um, I did really well in classes. Like this is the this is the the first step. And right. people want to see turns you out, college sometimes. Yeah, right, exactly. And it turns out that it was so true. The first big ever media opportunity that I had was with Good Morning America, January 4th of 2021. And it was one week beforehand, they had called me and they said, hey, we're coming up with this new year, new you segment. It's about budgeting. Um, We think you'd be a perfect candidate. You're so relatable. Your, Your TikTok's popping off at this time. A lot of people could use a new budget, which I talked about at that time a lot, the 50, 30, 20 method. But, you know, like you're in college, like, how do we know that you're credible? Well, actually, I said, I graduated college just a few weeks ago. So I do have a four year bachelor's degree. Believe it or not, I'm 20. But I I do have my degree. And then they're like, okay, sold. We're good. No, nothing more there. You can continue on. And from that moment, that that time of getting on Good Morning America, everything had just boom, exploded. And so that that one little thing of getting that piece of paper has allowed me to really expand my career. And, and again, in such a traditional environment, like you have to imagine finance is such an industry where it moves really slow and change is very, very slow. Like the things that the things that have happened with like crypto and NFTs unimaginably fast, but everything else besides that in finance is like this. It's like a turtle turtle speed. Yeah. yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Weird to think about because it Mm -hmm. feels like 
yeah, to people who are not like in it, I feel like it feels like complicated and like, oh, I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't know how it works or how to make it work for me. But it's a good point that like it moves so slow. It's almost like there's no excuse to not like figure it out or to not mm-hmm. like be able to make it work for you because it's not like the concepts are changing that fast or anything like that. But it just still feels like overwhelming to people. I think a lot of the time you say that you um like you focus on like Gen Z, which I totally get that's, but so you talk a lot about like how you, you're obviously like you're tailoring your content towards Gen Z and you say um, that like Gen Z, I don't know, like what, what do you think is like, what's the differentiator? So, okay, I guess I'll preface this by saying, as you may know, I am technically a millennial, so I'm a little <laughs> older than the Gen Z, but like, what do you see? Are there like major differences or what is like, what is wrong with how Gen Z thinks about money? Cause I feel like you kind of position it as like, you're helping them, you know, and obviously like your content is helpful to everyone, I think, or at least to multiple generations. But when you say specifically, like you're helping Gen Z, like think about money in a better way. And like, what is that? That's how is that different from how other generations are thinking about money? And like, why do you think that Gen Z especially needs like this new mindset or, or this kind of education? Yes, extremely, extremely great question. So in all honesty, when I first started, I was an 18, 17, 18 year old trying to figure out going from financial dependence to financial independence. And through that, I, I gained this, uh, really strong, you know, following, I guess, for that demographic, just because I had lived through it. Mm-hmm. They're my peers. I speak their lingo. It makes sense to me. Whereas Millennials per se, they're they're in a different chapter in their life, such as potentially, you know, getting a house, maybe trying to start family planning or still figuring out the whole student loan, paying that off and credit credit card debt and paying paying that off. So when I first started my platform, it was me sharing my story on what I was going through right now. Now that my platform has expanded, like you said, I have over a million priceless people in my community, that message has expanded to a lot more demographics. Like I get parents saying, Oh my goodness, thank you so much. Like I'm, I'm able to now teach and and my kids about financial literacy and have conversations about finances with my family in a comfortable way. Whereas Mm. the previous generation before that, that didn't happen. And so my, my story originated by me sharing my content. You think of like a lifestyle creator, like, Hey, I'm doing this. Like what I spend in a week, I'm starting my Roth IRA, like in a finance niche, but now it's a lot more open to cater to other demographics, especially when people in my community are asking questions and they don't necessarily follow Gen Z. I think they, I think they should still be served as well too. Totally. And, um, when I had one other, like, um, Okay, wait, I don't know. I have so many other questions. <laughs> when you say, so I guess I want to jump into kind of like how, you know, I feel like we all see, you know, people with, um, well, a million followers on TikTok. That's maybe not super common, but uh, <laughs> we see people with like a lot of followers and we're like, okay, like they're definitely like making money from this. But from a business standpoint, like how did you first start monetizing? Did you, was it like those partnerships that you were talking about? Like you were making money from partnerships with other brands and stuff? Or I also know you have like, courses and stuff on your website. 
is that kind of how you were monetizing the brand at first? Or like, how did you first kind of go from like, okay, here's, you know, Instagram reels or TikTok videos Mm -hmm. to, okay, this is actually like a business that's like making me a substantial or at least a consistent revenue. Right. So the blog first got monetized through affiliate links. Hey, I just signed up for the Discover It student cash back. Like I said, I was 18. That was one of my first credit cards. Okay, I I see and discover that if my friends sign up, I'll also get $50 or whatever the rate was at that time. So affiliate marketing just happened to be uh, really synergetic with what I was doing on the blog. Eventually, there came a point where so many people were just asking the same question of how do I get started Mm -hmm. that I ended up creating more digital products like eBooks, courses, which also helped monetize the brand. And prior to that, I was doing quizzes. I created this thing called FIQ, your financial IQ. And it's a quiz that I takes you, it's about 10 to 15 minutes. It takes you through a different plethora of questions regarding different subjects within financial literacy. So that might be budgeting, that might be investing, might be taxes. Um, different different areas, and it will tell you similar to like a credit score. It'll give you a score like okay, eight twenty. You're really financially savvy. Your FIQ is good. This means that you know what you're talking about as far as financial literacy goes and financial knowledge and know how. And that really helped drive a lot of the monetization for the eBooks and courses, because to me, like you have to provide a significant amount of value first before you can ask for any dollar from Mm -hmm. anybody. So So it was like a free free quiz that they could like give you their email address to do this quiz to get that information. Okay. Yeah. That was an an assessment, a, a tangible assessment, whether you go with me or somebody else that says, you're you're lacking right now and you're budgeting know-how. These are some quick tips that you could use right now. You can implement them tomorrow. Hey, I also have this course that goes further into this if you'd like to learn more. If not, no worries. Here's some free resources to check out as well too. Love it. So that was kind of the initial monetization. When I got onto TikTok, I had my first brand partnership with SoFi. I had like 300,000 followers at the time. And boy, was I undercharging. I had no idea about any sort of rates or anything at that time when it came to TikTok posts. And so um, TikTok reached out to me, hey, um, we love your content. This brand, SoFi, absolutely loves your content too. Like, uh, can you partner with them? Can you create a video for them? I'm like, oh, sure. I love SoFi. TikTok that like connected you? Yeah. So... Yeah, which is also crazy because at the time I didn't even know TikTok was doing their own like brand partnerships. I think this was before TikTok Creator Marketplace came out where they were testing, you know, Creator Marketplace by doing their own doing their own thing. And that's actually how I got verified too because when they had came to me with this partnership and we had such a great partnership, um, you know, I showed my credibility and I showed my work worth at ethic at the end, I was like, Hey, like I actually have a few articles that I was mentioning beforehand from thrive, thrive global and other things. Like I see people that have verification checks. Can I get verified? They're like, Oh yeah, sure. No problem. Here's a form, fill it out, get, get verified. And so around like the 300,000 mark, 
I ended up getting verified. And from there, just the business just kept on, it just kept on growing. Wow. So has it been mostly um, like brands that come to you and stuff? Or do you ever kind of be like, oh, I love this brand or this is a brand I know I'm going to, that I talk about a lot or refer people to use a lot. Like, let me reach out to them. Yeah. In the beginning, it was a lot more reaching out. Now it's a lot more inbound, which is them reaching out to us. I work with such an amazing team right now. Um, and so they kind of handle all correspondence. But I recognize, again, as far as business goes, um, when I had about 100,000 followers, it was getting a lot for me to comment back to every single person, which again, like I think it's extremely important to be engaged with um, any community that you have and you serve. And so I hired my first contractor to be my assistant to help out with community engagement to help out with like email administration. So if somebody is reaching out to us, getting back, maybe scheduling a podcast, whatever it might be. And the team just kind of started to grow out from there, which allowed me to continue to do what I do best, which is create educational bite-sized video content that is relatable, that people can understand that even, you know, fifth graders can understand like a big principle for us is that that whole concept of are you smarter than a fifth grader? If a fifth grader can understand what we're talking about, as far as when it comes to anything finance, then this this can be really helpful for anybody. Yeah, I love that. It's a good way to think about it. Like it shouldn't mm-hmm. be complicated anyway. Mm-hmm. So let's make sure it's mm-hmm. not. Yeah, that's awesome. So how, um, what does like your day-to-day look like now? Like how, what does your team look like? How do you work like on your, yeah, what, uh, I don't want to lead the, I don't want to lead the question. <laughs> what does your day look like? How much time do you spend on like actually creating content and like what else are you doing? Yes, really great question. So I do content batching now. I am full-time on our startup definitive. Mm. I'm chief experience officer there. So I lead um, a pretty hefty team. You know, so a lot of my time is is focused there while I have a business development manager on the priceless taste side. So I actually have two businesses. One is definitive, that's an incorporation. The other is Taylor Price LLC. And that's where you see like the social media educational content. So there, my team members and I will get together every morning. We'll have a stand up, which is basically a, here's our priorities for the day. Here's some questions we can tackle right now. And here's some projects that we're working on. If you need any help, um, just syncing up with different team members there. Mm-hmm. And then on Tuesdays, Tuesday mornings, I'll record for Priceless Tay stuff and anything else there on after when I get a chance, like I'm traveling, I'll get back to DMs and messages and things like that. And in the afternoons for Priceless Tay, I'll get back um, emails. But really for the majority of like the nine to five, I, I work a nine to five now being a, a founder of a startup. And oh. so that is taking a lot of my time. So Mondays and Wednesdays is traditionally when I like to host all of the meetings that I have, whether that's internally with my team members or externally networking with other individuals who might be interested in the startup or partners who we might be partnering with for our, the app that we're working on. Awesome. How did you, um, you say you're a co-founder of Definitive, like how did you find the other people that you're working with on that? Like, how did that come together in a more cohesive way? Yeah. So my mentor has been 
extremely successful when it comes to having other startups, one IPO'd, and he really brought on the rest of the co-founders. I, I've known them for, for several years. And so it just it just made sense kind of getting all together. We each have our certain superpower. Like mine is really being the the voice for this next generation and being able to take what they tell me and condense that into a way where I can provide that into our vision and strategy for the product that we're building. You know, there's our other co-founder who's extremely technical. He is all engineering, like chess player, literal, like a literal master chess player, super smart, um, talented guy. Yeah. Um, then we, we have, uh, our CEO who again has, has led these ships before and has successfully landed them either into some merger acquisition activities. And then finally, our, our fourth co-founder has been in the, uh, recruitment enterprise software industry for the past 40 years. So when you talk about company culture, which is the primary foundation for any successful company. He is he is that man. So um, we're we're kind of like the dream team when it comes to uh, having such an awesome leadership team. That is really cool. Are you, are you guys fully remote right now, or do you have like? Is it like? Are you in the same place? Yeah, all of us right now are based in the upstate New York, New York, New Jersey area, and so all of us try to get together in person um, at least once every few weeks. We're working on making that more of like once every week because proximity is power. And when you're able to get in person, not only does it just help with company culture, but there's different things like brainstorm conversations that wouldn't have happened or these side conversations with your colleagues that, oh man, like we just had a really great idea talking about here. Like, let's bring it to the broader group. Whereas on Zoom or on Google Meet, you can't really have those like intimate little side conversations because what are you going to schedule a breakout room? <laughs> like, hey, we're going to leave the meeting for a quick minute to discuss something and then come back. Yeah, so scheduled. So, I know what you mean. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, well, that sounds really exciting to be like starting that new kind of project, which it sounds like obviously all came out of went out of what you'd been doing before out of like kind of the social media world and the um like awareness and audience that you built out of that right what right um, yeah is is definitive did you say it's like gonna it's gonna be live at least by the time this episode comes out right like you said it just is launching right now kind of Yes. So it's launching as far as publicly online. We've been operating in stealth for many months and now we're kind of unveiling the curtain just so like a little peekaboo. Hey, like we're definitive, like just check out our website, join the wait list for our app, check it out when it's ready. And so we're not publicly on the app store just yet, but that time will come soon. And I'm going to do a shameless plug. If you go to yes. definitive.io, you can Okay. Sign I was just going to ask that. I was like, I, yeah. where can we at least look it up? I know at the end of the episode, we, I like, we'll definitely share like your links and like how to find you and all of that. But like right now I want to know <laughs> how we can at right. Least get it right now. And the cool. spelling is a little different. It's D F I N I T I V. So we, we don't like all the vowels. We like I's. So, um, definitive.io. 
D so like definitive dot yes. okay cool oh I see it I'm there right now <laughs> spend less save more get savvy yeah cool so people can go join that with us it's going to make people like get money back when they're like signing up for stuff that should be giving them money back kind of things right so you're at the gas station you have four credit cards which credit card should I use I have four I don't know oh well did you know in December if you used your Amazon Prime Visa card you could have got 10% back on your gas station purchase so if you're filling up a hundred dollars worth, you could have got ten dollars back. That's like that. That could be for family. That could that could be food on the dinner table for some families out there. And so there's some pretty sizable discounts, deals, and offers when it comes to you know you maximizing your money. So will you have like? Is it kind of like you'll enter? here are the credit cards that I have. And then it will sort of show like which ones to use when. Mm -hmm. Right. Cool. Well, um, yeah, we'll be in touch about when that's going to be live so that if, if by the time this episode comes out, it is something you can go download. We'll put that in the show notes and otherwise we'll put obviously go like sign up to be on the wait list here. Um, because that's awesome. Oh, and then I've got to ask, like in terms of from the business side of things, um, is this like an app that people will pay to download? Is that where you're going to, how you're making money off of Definitive as a company? Or is there some other um, like revenue structure there? Absolutely not. We, I personally believe that again, in order to eliminate barriers of entry, when it comes to um, building wealth, we are making it a free app for people to use. And early on, we recognize the difference between consumers versus customers. Mm -hmm. Consumers are those who are using it. Customers are those who are paying for it. So we're in different conversations about how we will monetize, but we really would not like to have our consumers pay. We'd rather go to a merchant or brand per se to say, Hey, um, you know, Starbucks versus Dunkin' Donuts, like let's broker a deal to get 5% off. We have all these amazing Gen Zers who love your product. How can we figure out a way that we can provide a discount for them? So it's just, if you think about omni, omni-channel marketing, it would just be another omni-channel marketing stream or for, for a particular merchant. Okay, cool. So yeah, no, you did say that earlier that you you like believe in having things be free and accessible. And I totally respect that and love that. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, no, that's great. I'm glad I asked <laughs> so that people yeah. know that. So mm-hmm. okay, what is um I mean, you have a lot obviously going on. Do you have any other ideas for the future? What do you do you have any plans for like, you know, <laughs> before you're 25 or <laughs> anything oh like that? Oh my goodness. Such a great question. I literally just had a conversation with a friend yesterday on being so focused in the present. Like Mm. for my entire life, I was so focused on being successful and working hard to help retire my parents because they work their asses off and doing all these things. But I was just thinking, I got to ask if you still help with your parents' business at all too. Yes, uh, honestly, sometimes they do. Yes, but they now know like I'm a I'm a full working woman. Like I got my own things going on. I can contribute where I can, whether that's 
financially or, or put in some sweat and grit if if an employee calls out or something like that and they really absolutely need me need me because they they did provide and I've had such a privileged upbringing that you know it's the least that I can do for them but I do you know I do have two full-time operating businesses that are going on so they they understand that um, but the conversation of focusing in the future like no, I'm I'm not really focused in the future anymore. Like I I have so much gratitude for the present and just like taking moments to breathe and enjoy this time, building this story out, like writing line by line instead of focusing on will this book be a bestseller? Like that's the perfect way to put it for me. Like I am enjoying so much of being in the present. Yes, I'm obviously focused on like what the next few quarters look like and maybe what the next year looks like. But as far as me hitting 25, like that's, that's like three years from now. <laughs> so so I, I'm not there just, just yet. I, I did live there before and I just, I enjoy living in the now. Yeah, no, I think that's a great mindset. I think it's like, you have no idea what's like, I love that three years, like feels like a long time still for you <laughs> because it kind mm-hmm. of is. And you have no idea what you're going to want by then. Like you might want totally different things than what you than what 22 year old you thinks that you're going to want then. And so to plan too far for like what, what you as a 22 year old thinks you're going to want to be working towards at 25. It's like, I think that sometimes sets people up for like unhappiness. Cause then you get there. Right. Like, actually I want to be doing this thing and that thing. And it's totally different than what I thought I was going to want at this point. Exactly. You've got to honor yeah. And I, mm-hmm. yeah. And I truly believe too, like, 20s is a time for learning and failing, like failing in particularly, like make those past failures and make them into your future successes. So for me, 20s is being a sponge, like come, come life, come at me, show me what you got. Like I am ready for it. I am here to learn so that by the time that I am ready to start, you know, a family or I don't even have a boyfriend at least as of yet at the time of (laughs) talking about this, but when the time is ready, I I will be more prepared because of the learning and the education that I've done. And I think I, I have a Twitter post on this that I pinned on the top. Um, it's also Crisis Tay. And it's like learning, learning doesn't stop after school. It starts, it starts after school. Mm. Like, and I, I could not stress that enough. Like the most important lessons that I have learned are outside of our traditional school system. And I think that... It's it's underutilized right now the resources that we have and um, the internet is ex- accessible to most people and that just you know keep using it so always stay curious especially in your twenties. Yeah. Um, it, okay, I have two questions I always ask at the end um, of every conversation, which I feel like you kind of just when it, well actually but before I ask that oh my god there's still so many things <laughs> I want to say I, I want to ask you first like do you have a is there like um I don't know any posts that you've done somewhat recently or at any point in time I guess because especially because I don't know when this is going to go live that you feel like is like one of the best ones or that you love or that you feel like people should go check out right now like if is there any post that comes to the top of your head if I say what should people go look at on, on Priceless Tay if they've never seen you before Just check out the website. I have to say personal finance is personal. There's a reason why they call it personal finance. So there's not an exact video or not an exact piece of content. If you check out my website, there's different quizzes that you can take about your money personality, your FIQ, and figure out like start from there on 
Hey, like I, I do recognize that I'm, I'm slacking right now on investing. I can start my investing journey. Here's a few resources, go check them out. But I don't have that one particular like all-star piece. Everybody should watch this because it's just so, you know, at least in the United States, it's such a diverse community and culture and people come up from different backgrounds. So um, th- I feel like that's yes. the best way I can serve is to help people identify where they're starting at and potential resources that can help them, help them, you know, jump and leap into the next best thing. Okay. Totally valid. What, um, when you're doing all of these things, like all the things that you do, what is like one thing that you do to just like relax or like wind down or like something that you try to do every day? If you have something like that, some kind of routine to just like stay grounded and like, or like relax yourself, if you need to just not be thinking about work ever, like, does that ever happen? Is that ever possible for you? It wasn't possible. Um, in 2020, towards, um, I would say at the beginning of 2021, I recognized that I was not taking care of my health, similar to, you know, 2010, 2014 era for me when my parents were also like, deep down into their business and not prioritizing like their health or, you know, my family members as well, too. I was and I was literally repeating the steps of my family where I was so in the thick of it in business that I wasn't going to my doctor's appointments and, you know, taking care of myself. So um, I recognized that I needed to, and I needed to start prioritizing time because what is health without, what is wealth without health? Yes. And so, you know, why, why do all this work when, there's going to be a shortcoming on certain things. So I, yeah, I, I've developed different routines. One thing that I personally loved it love is lighting incense. There's just something so beautiful about lighting a nice scent and just sitting down and looking at it and watching the smoke in the air and just breathing it in and just reflecting and really practicing gratitude as well too. I got a gratitude journal um, this past November during Thanksgiving time. And that has just leveled me up so much more. I do that every morning before I start my work day, instead of it being now go, go, go of what it was. Now it's, I start on a nice level, clear, tranquil path. And I feel like that really helps the workday because there are so many things being thrown at you, especially when it's social media is a very fast paced culture, whereas finance is a little bit slower, like I said. So trying to balance that, it can be quite hectic, but starting off the day with just the, the, the breathing and the calmness of lighting that incense, writing what I'm grateful for and practicing that gratitude is has been revolutionary so far for me yeah yeah that sounds really nice I feel like we all need to just like slow down sometimes in the morning Mm -hmm. okay what's one thing that you wish you'd known more about when you first started your business is there one thing you could pinpoint Mm -hmm. that's a really great question I you know yeah, there there is getting a team even earlier. Mm. I am somebody who growing up in school, I would take leadership and do all the school projects and not really, you know, 
work as a team because in the past, what that has led to me not getting a good grade mm-hmm. um, as a result of other team members. And in my adulthood, I can absolutely say like, that is the furthest thing away of what I want to be doing now. Um, especially when we're working with other people's careers and really working as a team and putting that faith and trust into somebody, making them feel like they have ownership and accountability as well too. And, and your work relationship is something that I, I wish I did early on, but again, because of my, my schooling and during the time in which I started all this, I was still in like high school and in college and, and both several business ventures that I've been in before. Um, yeah, that would, that would have to be it. Yeah. That's a great one. Is there any last piece of advice you'd want to leave other entrepreneurs with? Just keep, I keep, keep grinding. Failure is a tuition to your success. So if you're in the middle of, you know, you feel like you're failing right now, take a moment, take a step back, reevaluate where you're you're at, be thankful for how far you've come thus far. And just like, keep, keep going. Because if, if you're, if you're purposeful and your passion drives your mission, you're unstoppable. Like just make sure to, to, to find that arena and to, to continue to strive and, and go forward. Love it. Thank you so much. Okay. Can you just re, I feel like we've kind of mentioned all of this throughout, but tell people where they can find you online. If they do want to connect with you, if they want to find your resources, any of that stuff, how can they find you? Yes. So you can probably search Taylor price and I'll pop up. If not, you can check out priceless Tay. That's P R I C E L E S S T A Y. That is for the financial literacy, educational content. For the startup, you can go to definitive.io. That's D-F-I-N-I-T-I-V.io. So check it out. Sign up for the waitlist. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm excited to go watch more of your videos. I was like watching them before and now I like want to scroll all the way down and see everything you've done. And I'm definitely going to sign up for Definitive. So I can't wait to see like what else you end up doing. I cannot believe you're still so young and already doing so many, like have your hand in so many different projects. I am impressed. So thank you so much for coming on. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast, wherever you listen. So you won't miss the next episode and leave a review on iTunes. So other people will be able to find us easily. Also, don't be shy to get in touch with me or anyone you've heard on the show. We're all about connecting and our Instagram handles and contact links are always in the show notes or online at quotablemediaco.com slash podcast. If you want to join the community of other female millennial entrepreneurs, join our Facebook group by searching female millennial entrepreneurs on Facebook. Talk to you soon and see you there.